Let's pray. Our gracious God and loving Heavenly Father, we thank and praise you for the wisdom of your word. We thank you for this teacher, this Ecclesiastes, and for his hard thinking about reality and life and wisdom. We pray, Heavenly Father, that we may uh, learn from him this morning and learn uh, through him more of the greatness of what the Lord Jesus Christ has done. And we pray it in his name. Amen. I got a, uh, a newsletter from a friend of mine the other day. Uh, she was a missionary in India. Um, she ended up marrying an Indian pastor. They've had to come back to Australia for a couple of years. Um, they've, they've had a baby, there are a few health complications, a few uh, issues with visas and their missionary organisation, stuff like that. So now he's pastoring a church up in the Blue Mountains and she's looking after their baby here. Uh, in the newsletter, she tells of the persecution of Christians in the state of Orissa in India. It's his, uh, uh, they've got uh, friends there. Apparently many Christians have been killed there. Many churches have been burned down in these last uh, few months. Sounds absolutely terrible. But then at the end of the newsletter, she says something, something that surprised me. She says, we can't wait to get back to India. She said, in India, the Christians are passionate about Jesus and the non-Christians are violently opposed People either, they love the message about Jesus as, as the truth or they hate it as a wicked lie. But here in Australia, she says, what we can't stand is that people don't care. People don't care. She says, the Christians are lukewarm and the non-Christians are not interested. She said, it seems like in Australia, the gospel is irrelevant I suspect that what she is saying about Australia is right, don't you? Uh, many Australian Christians are blasé about Jesus. And most non-Christians that you talk to, they're just not interested. It, they, they see Jesus as irrelevant. So why do you reckon that is? Why are we Australians so apathetic about Jesus? We're up to uh, chapter 7 of the book of Ecclesiastes. And in chapter 7 of the book of Ecclesiastes, the, the teacher is discussing the subject of wisdom, as Bay told us before. He's reflecting on issues, issues about wisdom, issues about wise people. And in the first section, the, the first thing that the teacher says about wise people is that wise people will face up to reality. He starts off by saying that wise people will face up to the reality of death. Wise people don't try to ignore death. Wise people don't spend their lives partying and laughing and distracting themselves, pretending there is no death. Wise people face the fact and they take it to heart. Ecclesiastes chapter 7 and verse 1. Have a look with me. Ecclesiastes chapter 7 and verse 1. A good name is better than fine perfume, and the day of death better than the day of birth. It's better to go to a house of mourning than to go to a house of feasting. For death is the destiny of every man. The living should take this to heart. Sorrow is better than laughter because a sad face is good for the heart. The heart of the wise is in the house of mourning. But the heart of fools is in the house of pleasure. It's better to heed a wise man's rebuke than to listen to the song of fools. Like the crackling of thorns under the pot, so is the laughter of fools. This too 
is Hevel, is meaningless. Wise people face up to reality, to the reality of death, even if it's uncomfortable, even if it's unpleasant. And wise people, wise people won't let won't let money change their perception of reality. They will stick with the truth even if it costs. Verse 7. Extortion turns a wise man into a fool and a bribe corrupts the heart. Wise people stick with reality. And wise people, they also recognise that reality can be tough. And so they are patient. They don't get grumpy about the way things are. They don't let things get to them. They they, they deal with reality as it is, with patience. Verse 8. The end of a matter is better than its beginning, and patience is better than pride. Do not be quickly provoked in your spirit, for anger resides in the lap of fools. Face up to reality. They won't let, they'll stick with the truth. They'll, they'll be patient with reality. Now the teacher also says that wise people, they deal with the reality of now. They're not nostalgic. They say that nostalgia is not what it used to be. But... Uh, but wise people don't think like that. Wise people don't think like that. They don't always think back to the, to the good old days. Wise people deal with today. Verse 10. Do not say, why were the old days better than these? For it's not wise to ask such questions. Wise people face up to reality. They acknowledge the fact of death. They take it to heart. They don't let money lead them to distort the truth. They accept reality with patience. They deal with the present not with the good old days. Now the teacher says this sort of wisdom is good stuff. This is the sort of thing that you want to have. It can protect you in life. Verse 11. Wisdom, like an inheritance, is a good thing and benefits those who see the sun. Wisdom is a shelter, as money is a shelter. But the advantage of knowledge is this, that wisdom preserves the life of its possessor. All right, so there's the first aspect of wisdom. Wise people face up to reality. Now, if you think about it, if you think about it as a Christian for a moment, what the teacher has said, if you think about it as a Christian, for this kind of a wise person, well, the good news about Jesus would be really good news, wouldn't it? For the sort of person who will go to the house of mourning, for the sort of person who, who will face the fact of death, stare it in the face and take it to heart. For, for a wise person like that, the message about Jesus, well, the message about Jesus is, in, is intensely relevant, isn't it? Because the message about Jesus, it's all about death. It's all about God's defeat of death. When Jesus died on the cross, he was dying in our place. He, he, was, he was bearing our death. When Jesus rose again from the dead, he opened up a path of an eternal, death-free life. As Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. Whoever lives and believes in me will never die. For a wise person, well, that's the greatest possible news. For someone who can see death coming, couldn't get any better than that. But you know, if what the teacher is saying here is wisdom, then most Australians are fools. 
Now, there are some fools who, who, who won't accept reality. They get grumpy about the way things are. If you've seen the series of grumpy old women or grumpy old men recently, you'll see that uh, beautifully illustrated. There are some fools who get nostalgic. Um, but, but, but more than anything, particularly for my generation and, and for generations below, we are the sort of fools who distract ourselves from reality. We look for any possible distraction. We sit night after night after night in the lounge chair in front of the telly watching mindless sitcoms or even more mindless sport. Uh, We go down to the club, we go to the shops, we go to the movies, we read science fiction or fantasy or romance novels. We, We spend our days and nights working without stopping. We spend our time in virtual reality on the internet. We never go anywhere without our iPod blaring and our Blackberry beeping. We, we, we make sure that there's a constant noise, a, a constant activity. We make sure there's never any chance to stop and think. Australians are desperate to escape, desperate to escape reality. Any distraction will do us. You should try this sometime. Try to get an Australian to stop and to talk seriously about death. It is like trying to get blood out of a stone. We will not face up to it. This, I think, is a big reason why it is so hard to get Australians to listen to the message about Jesus. It's because Australians are fools. We are so busy distracting ourselves that death is no issue to us. It's something kind of way off in the future, possibly somehow. If, uh, meanwhile, let's not think about it. Pass me another beer. Pass me the Chatswood Chase catalogue. Let's go shopping. If Australian Christians are going to get passionate about Jesus, if Australian non-Christians are going to get interested in Jesus, well, we're going to need to wise up. to to, to listen to the teacher here, to to face reality, to face the reality of death, only then will we see our need. Wisdom faces up to reality. That's the teacher's first point. The teacher then goes on to say that wisdom has its its limitations. Its limitations. First, you can't change the way God has made things. We live in a cursed, crooked world, a world under God's judgment. It doesn't matter how wise we are, we can't change it. Verse 13. Consider what God has done. Who can straighten what he has made crooked? That's the first limitation. The second limitation is this. You can't know the future. doesn't matter how wise you are, it doesn't matter how many university degrees you've got, you don't know what's going to happen tomorrow or any other day. You don't know when bad times are going to come. You don't know when good times are going to come. You don't know anything about the future. Verse 14. When times are good, be happy. But when times are bad, consider God has made the one as well as the other. Therefore a man cannot discover anything about his future. A third limitation. A third limitation. In this fallen world, wisdom is not always rewarded. You can live a wise and righteous and godly life and you can be dead in your 20s. You can live a a foolish, wicked life and you can die old and happy. Wisdom, wisdom cannot control our destiny. Verse 15. In this meaningless life of mine, I've seen both of these. 
righteous man perishing in his righteousness and a wicked man living long in his wickedness. Wisdom, can you see, has its limitations. You can't change the way God has made things. You, you, you can't know the future. You can't control your destiny because, because you're not God. God is God. doesn't matter how wise you get, you can't take the place of God. And, and if you start to think that you are so wise that you can take the place of God, if you start to think you're so wise that, that God is not relevant any, anymore, well, then your wisdom has turned to foolishness. If you take wisdom beyond its limits, if you're overwise in that sense, you become a fool. And so the teacher says that the person who fears God will take a middle path. They'll seek wisdom, righteousness, but they'll recognize the limits of wisdom. They'll let God be God. Verse 16. Do not be overrighteous, neither be overwise. Why destroy yourself? Do not be overwicked, do not be a fool. Why die before your time? It's good to grasp the one and not let go of the other. The man who fears God will avoid all extremes. Well, again, if we think about this as Christians for a while, the sort of person who is wise like this, who, who, who recognises the, the, the limits of wisdom, well, for that kind of a person, the message about Jesus is great news. For, for the person who realises that they cannot know their future, that they cannot control their future, that, that God is in control, well, the message about Jesus is, is, is very relevant. Because, because in Christ, God has revealed something of our future to us. He's guaranteed us an eternal future with him, a new heaven and a new earth with no more sin or suffering or death. Through Jesus, God promises to straighten out what he has made crooked. Through Jesus, God promises to sustain us through both good times and bad times. Through Jesus, God promises to right all wrongs forever. It's great news for the person who recognises the limitations of human wisdom, for the person who sees that these things are beyond us to do, that we actually need God. But again, if this is wisdom, then many Australians are fools. Many Australians, for some reason that I can't understand in view of the whole history of the 20th century, many Australians have a deep optimism that we're still progressing, that, that we're getting the world under control. Some scientists seem to be especially prone to this. Soon they say, Richard Dawkins will tell us, science will have all the answers. Soon we'll be able to cure all diseases. We'll be able to live forever. Soon we'll have control over our destiny. Many ordinary people, they say, don't, don't, don't talk to me about God. Science has disproved God. Or not just science, they might say, philosophy tells us there's no absolute truth. Psychology tells us that uh, God is just a figment of your imagination. Sociology tells us that we're better off without God. All these, all these arrogant human wisdoms... And the upshot? People think the message about Jesus is irrelevant. God has become, so we're told, an unnecessary hypothesis. We think we've got life under control without him. And so again, if Australian, if Australian Christians are going to get passionate about Jesus, if Australian non-Christians are going to get interested in Jesus, we're going to need to wise up. To, to, to listen to the teacher. 
The fact is, for all our wisdom, we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. For all our wisdom, we can't change the way God has made things. For all our wisdom, we can't guarantee a nice, long, comfortable life. Somehow we Aussies, we've got to wise up and see it. Then we might realise our need. Then we might realise how good the good news of Jesus really is. In the, uh, in the last section in this reflection on wisdom, the teacher tells us a bit about his own journey. He tells us a bit about his failure, his failure to, to understand the scheme of life, his failure to, to plumb the depths of wisdom. But he also tells us about a, dis- a discovery that he made. It's a sad discovery, a sad discovery about humanity, but it's a, it's a wise and a true discovery about humanity. Now, first off, he says that wisdom can bring power, and that's why he spent so much time pursuing it. Verse 19... Wisdom makes one wise man more powerful than ten rulers in a city. And then he tells us his discovery. Verse 20, There is not a righteous man on earth who does what is right and never sins. That's the discovery. Everyone is sinful. And we're going to see a few politically incorrect things later on as he tells us about how he discovered this with women. Um, But uh, here's the discovery, and it's it's not a sexist discovery. Everyone is sinful. There's not a righteous man on earth who does what is right and never sins. Uh, Next, the teacher tells us some wise advice. Advice based on his discovery. He says, don't be surprised when sinners curse you. That's just the kind of thing that a sinner like you would do to them. Verse 21. Do not pay attention to every word people say, or you may hear your servant cursing you. For you know in your heart that many times you yourself have cursed others. And then the teacher tells us his story, how he came to this wisdom. He says, first of all, he, he, as he was searching, he failed to plumb the depths of wisdom. He couldn't do it, but he did learn something. A hard lesson, a lesson, that, uh, a lesson that many men never seem to learn. He learned that women are sinners. And some women, and he's talking here about disloyal women, about adulterous women, some women, he says, are a real snare. They might look pretty, they might look alluring to a bloke who can't think above his belt, but they are trouble. They, they can wreck your life, he says. Verse 23. Here's his story. Here's how he, how he came to his wisdom of recognising that all people are sinful. All this I tested by wisdom. And I said, I'm determined to be wise. But this was beyond me. Whatever wisdom may be, it is far off and most profound. Who can discover it? So I turned my mind to understand, to investigate and to search out wisdom and the scheme of things and to understand the stupidity of wickedness and the madness of folly. Here's what he did find. I find more bitter than death the woman who is a snare, whose heart is a trap and whose hands are chains. The man who pleases God will escape her, but the sinner she will ensnare. There's the lesson. If this is Solomon who's talking, it's a lesson he learned some thousand times over. Um, take, took him a while, but uh, this is the lesson. And, and, and I want to pause on this just for a little while. Because, uh, because blokes, and let me address blokes for a while, blokes, this is wisdom we need to take to heart. Now, Proverbs 11.22 says this, Like a gold ring in a pig's snout is a beautiful woman who shows no discretion. Like a gold ring in a pig's snout 
is a beautiful woman who shows no discretion. The problem is most blokes can't see past the gold ring. They just see this pretty ring dangling there. Ooh, shiny. <laughs> they don't notice the pig. What the teacher says here, it is a good lesson for foolish men. It's a good lesson for foolish single men. Because foolish single men are completely blind to the faults of a pretty girl. You single blokes, you need to listen to the teacher. Women are sinners like you. And some women are a real snare. And that means, single guys, it means this. It means, it means don't go for looks, go for loyalty. Don't, don't look at how fashionable she is, look at how faithful she is. Don't go for a, a decorative woman, go for a discreet woman. It's a good lesson for foolish single men. And it's a good lesson for foolish married men as well. That uh, pretty young thing at work who wears short skirts and bats her eyelids at you, she is not a good option. Uh, you might think that she will give you better respect than your wife as she sort of fawns over you at work. You might think she will give you better sex than your wife. You might think she will make you happier than your wife. But you are kidding yourself. Once she gets to know the real you, the you that your wife, that your wife knows, she will treat you worse than your wife does. Groucho Marx used to have a great saying. He said, I would never join any club that would accept me as a member. I would never join any club that would accept me as a member. If you are a married man, if you are a married man, listen to this, if you're a married man, the only sort of woman who will sleep with you, other than your wife, is by definition a disloyal, adulterous, uncaring, senseless, stupid woman. That is the only sort of woman who will sleep with you if you are a married man. Can I say to you, you should never sleep with the sort of woman who would sleep with you, to misquote uh, Groucho Marx. You should never sleep with the sort of woman who would sleep with you. Fellas, listen to the teacher's wisdom. Work hard on your relationship with your sinful wife. Better the devil you know, as the saying goes. <laughs> she has to put up with you. Put up with her, but don't just put up with her. Make the best of your relationship with the wife that God has given you. That other woman is a sinner and a snare. She will wreck your life. Her heart is a trap. Her hands are chains. Stay away. Anyway, well, that's a digression. Back to the teacher. Back to the teacher. He finishes his section by, by telling us this story again. He sought wisdom. He couldn't find it. But the thing he did find was this. And he found it with women. All people are sinful, women included. They might look innocent, but they aren't. Verse 27. Look, says the teacher, this is what I've discovered. Adding one thing to another to discover the scheme of things while I was still searching but not finding. What did he find? I found one man, one, you know, this is upright man, it's not really there. One man among a thousand, but not one woman among them all. This only have I found. God made mankind upright but men have gone in search of many schemes. Well, again, if we think of this as Christians for a moment, um, a, a wise person like this, a wise person like this will love the good news about Jesus. For the person 
who will admit the reality of human sin. For the person who can see that people have gone away from God, have gone away from what we were made to be, for that sort of a wise person, the message about Jesus is deeply relevant. When Jesus lived on earth, as Bay told us before, he was the one truly upright man. He lived the sin-free, upright life that we were created to live. And then when he died on the cross, he bore in himself our sin. He paid the full price for our sin. And so now God offers us the gift of forgiveness and eternal life. As the Bible says, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. For the person who is wise enough to admit human sin, that is the best possible news. But again, if this is wisdom, then the vast majority of Australians are fools. The vast majority of Australians don't think of themselves as sinners. That's including the vast majority of Australians sitting in churches this morning don't think of themselves as sinners. The vast majority of Australians don't think of other people as sinners. Now, admittedly, we did lock our houses before we came to church. We did lock our cars outside, but that's because we we think in our crazy minds that there's some different species out there called criminals. Despite all the evidence to the contrary, the vast majority of Australians seem to think that people are basically good. And so, so we can't see the relevance of the message about Jesus. We can't see the need for forgiveness. The idea of God being angry with sin, the idea of Jesus dying for sin, it makes no sense to us. And so once again, if Australian Christians are going to get passionate about Jesus, if Australian non-Christians are going to get interested in Jesus, we will need to wise up, to listen to the teacher, to admit the fact and the seriousness of sin, sin that Jesus needed to die for. Okay. Well, can you see what the passage is about? Now, the teacher's telling us about wisdom. He says three big ideas. Wisdom faces up to reality, including the reality of death. Wisdom knows its own limitations. We can't guarantee our future through wisdom. Wisdom recognises that people are sinners Wise people like that would love the message about Jesus. Wise people like that would love the idea of a man who defeats death, of a man who forgives sin, of a man who guarantees an eternal destiny. Wise people like that would be passionate about this news. Wise people like that would love this Lord Jesus Christ who has died for us. Wise people like that would live for this Lord Jesus Christ with enthusiasm, with vigour. But sadly, the vast majority of Australians are fools. We won't face the reality of death. We think we can control our destiny without God. We won't admit our sin. We are fools. And friends, that's why Australians are apathetic about Jesus. Because we're fools. So friends, let me finish by saying this. We need to wise up. If the message about Jesus is true, then it is the greatest news ever. It is worth being passionate about it. Like those Christians in India, it is worth living and dying for it. The message about Jesus is false. It's a disgusting lie. 
and it deserves to be destroyed like those non-Christians are trying to do in Orissa. There's only one thing that the gospel does not merit and that's apathy. Apathy towards Jesus is the response of a fool. So friends, friends, let's wise up. This is the greatest possible news. Let's live for the Lord Jesus Christ with passion. Let's live for the Lord Jesus Christ with enthusiasm. He deserves nothing less. Let's pray. Almighty God, our loving Heavenly Father, we acknowledge before you this morning our foolishness. We acknowledge the way that we've distracted ourselves and and forgotten the final and impending and imposing reality of death that lies before us. We're sorry for our foolishness in thinking that we can control our destinies without you. We're sorry for our foolishness in thinking that we and others are not really sinful and that sin doesn't matter. And we're sorry that because of this foolishness we have failed to recognise the extraordinary and wonderful importance of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're sorry for our apathy. Our Father, please help us to wise up Help us to see the wonderful, magnificent news of what Jesus has done and help us to live for him with passion and enthusiasm. Help us to joy and to glory in our Lord Jesus Christ alone. We pray it in his name. Amen.